0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bron Body Health and Fitness Podcast. I'm so glad that you're joining us today. Today I'm joined by TEDx speaker, best-selling author, Sleep Science Academy founder, Devin Burke. And Devin is no stranger to the podcast. In fact, this is actually the same episode we released about a year ago, However, we've gone back in and we have remastered the audio, we've made some minor improvements here and there, we've tried to clean up the overall quality, and of course we gave it that new cover art to give it a nice little facelift. Sleep is one of the most underrated components of your health and fitness, and I felt like it was great to pull this episode back up, refresh it, revitalize it, and make it relevant again. So I hope that you enjoy this episode all about sleep. Devin, welcome to the show. Excited to have you on. Yeah, excited to be here, Daniel. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So, for those who aren't familiar with you and your work and what you do, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah. So um, I, we were talking just before we jumped on here. I was actually going to become a physical therapist, and um, and I took a little trip around Europe, two and a half months. Came back, realized you know that's I felt you know I wasn't that passionate about it, and that sent me on a decade-long journey of studying all different types of modalities. I I like to call them health technologies from nutrition to, you know, psychology to mindfulness, to all these different things. And ultimately, it led me to studying sleep science when I was working with a lot of high performing entrepreneurs. And one of my clients was having issues with the sleep. And he asked me if I knew anything about sleep. I didn't. I thought it was a waste of time. Didn't know anything around, you know, I, I literally knew nothing about sleep. And so I said, Hey, well, listen, let me look into it. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, how did I not know how important sleep is to every aspect of health? And so the more I studied it, the more fascinated I became with it. And then I started to look at what was available for people, which is really sleeping pills and something called CBTI. And I said, Hey, you know what? I think, I think I might be able to introduce some of the other things that I'd studied over you know the last decade to really help people. So that's, that's what I did with him. And I said, Hey, if I can help one person, I can help, you know, thousands or millions of people. And that led me up to uh, founding sleep science Academy, which is, which is what we do. We help people all across the nation uh, get and stay asleep naturally. Uh, and that's, that's, yeah, In the TEDx talker, I've you know, best-selling book, the sleep advantage, uh, but I'm just passionate about giving people the tools to improve their sleep and also to inspire them to actually prioritize and protect it and understand how important it is. So that's a high level there.
0: Right. I love that you're so passionate about that because we look at the statistics on sleep disorders in America and they're alarming. 25% of the population last I checked um, reports insomnia and 20% have sleep apnea. Like this is alarming stuff here. And the numbers continue to climb as uh, the years continue to pass. Why do you think people struggle so much with their sleep? That's such a great question,
1: and I love that we're leading off right into it. I, there's, there's a couple of reasons. The first reason is we are completely disconnected from our natural rhythms because of technology, as well as because of the amount of stress. You know, 100 years ago, if you looked at, you know, we, didn't, we weren't spending all day on social media or behind computers or fluorescent lights um, you know, we didn't have the demands on our minds specifically that we, you know, we were farmers. You know, most we <laughs> were hunters and gatherers. There wasn't this complexity that was, you know, sort of overriding the CPU called the brain. Um, and so, with that, that comes some disease and disorders. And and you know, so I, I like to say that if you're not sleeping well, it's just a sign that something in your life is out of balance. And you know, it's really about understanding. Well, where are these stresses coming from your environment the, you know, the thoughts you think your relationships, there's so many areas that we can, we can experience stress it could be overtraining. Um, So there's a lot of, there's a lot of factors and it really depends on your unique situation, but ultimately it is, it's technology and stress. Those are the, those are the reasons why we're continuing to see these numbers
0: grow. I'm so glad you brought that up. For those who haven't listened to our recent episode with Jimmy St. Louis, go back and listen to that because we actually bring up stress in the form of dietary and nutrition approach in that episode. And we talked about how insulin shuttles serotonin into the brain. Serotonin is the precursor to melatonin. And we see people eating these highly processed, high carbohydrate meals for breakfast and lunch, not knowing that they're spiking their melatonin levels early on in the day. So you brought it up perfectly our sleep yeah, cycle think, our circadian rhythm is just completely botched.
1: yeah and you know to add on to that also the microbiome so there's a lot of research that shows now you know that the health of the microbiome is, is linked to not just sleep but everything um, and most people because of what you just mentioned eating processed foods, eating the wrong type of foods, you know they have dysbiosis they have you know leaky gut they have their body is not, um, digesting food. And that creates a lot of issues, um, with melatonin production, serotonin production. I mean, it creates so many, so many issues. Uh, That's why we're seeing also the rise in in things like Hashimoto's autoimmune disease. Um, it's all, it it really, there's where it's just, I like to just broadly blanket it as physical stress. And it's often like this stress bucket gets filled up and then it eventually overflows. And that's when we experience, you know, um, these disorders like insomnia, like, um, you know, IBS, Crohn's, colitis, heart disease, diabetes, all these things that, you know, these lifestyle diseases, it's just because our stress bucket gets filled up. And that's, you know, insomnia is no different. That's, it's a disorder that comes from not really taking care of ourselves.
0: Right. And people are learning to accept these things as almost common practice, right? Just kind of part of life almost. And they forget that it really doesn't have to be that way, you know, having something like you mentioned, IBS, having IBS is not normal, that's not a sign of good health. And this is ultimately why sleep matters to our body so much. It's our chance for our body to reset itself, recycle things, clean things out, promotes autophagy, uh, allows our body to repair from all the damages that we inflict upon it. Uh, Why else do you think sleep matters?
1: I mean, emotionally, it matters too, you know, so not everything you just said is so such so poignant. And and it's so important for people to understand, but emotionally, you know, so if and when you don't get quality sleep, specifically the stage of REM sleep, rapid eye movement, which usually happens in the, like the, the fourth quarter of the night. So right before you wake up, that's why you remember your dreams. That's when our bodies are paralyzed. That's really when we're working out the emotional, you know, traumas of the day. That's when we're creative problem solving. That's when, you know, the our emotions are getting regulated. And there's some interesting studies, Daniel, that show that when you don't get enough REM sleep, you actually, when, during the day, you you can't really interpret emotion as well. Like you misperceive emotion. So like somebody might, you're walking down the street, somebody might look at you, and you might take that the wrong way just because you're tired versus, you know, they were just looking at you. They weren't looking at you crossed or, you know, so it's it's really interesting. Um, there's there's some really interesting studies that show how it impacts relationships. And one particular that I thought was fascinating was, and I, and I talk about this in my book, they took two couples and they only had one of the couple in, you know, be deprived of sleep. And then they took a reporting of how, you know, the couple showed up, how both couples showed up, like they rated, you know, their energy and their their charisma and all these things and both scored lower. So even the one that didn't, that was, wasn't sleep deprived, they, they both scored lower. So, you know, in relationship, obviously takes two to tango, but it's interesting if even if just one person is sleep deprived, it affects the other person and vice versa, their perception of how they show up in the world, which I thought was really interesting. Um, so, so yeah, beyond the, the physical parts of r- restoring mentally, it's really important, you know, to, to understand how, how essential sleep is and the different stages of sleep and
0: sleep quality. Agreed. And I like how you brought up the relationship side of things there, because we often don't think about the role that other people might have on our sleep. And everyone's different when it comes to sleep. Some people function really good on seven hours. Some people need eight hours. Why right. is it that people function so good on different amounts of sleep, uh, different temperatures, and uh, maybe just going on the relationship point for a bit too? How can two people that are sleeping next to each other that you know, have very different sleep demands go about balancing that?
1: Yeah, those are, those are great questions. And I'll, I'll, I'll address the first one and then the second one. So it really depends how much sleep you need really depends. So it depends on a couple of things, your age, your, your gender, your lifestyle, um, where you live. There's so many factors. And as we go throughout our life span, our sleep architecture is going to change. And then there's something called chronobiology and we each have our unique chronotype. So some people, you know, are morning people, some people are evening type people, and you can take a quiz. Uh, the It's called a M E Q quiz that I'll actually share with you based off of answering a couple of questions, what type most likely you are. And so, you know, really listening to your natural rhythm, whether you are a night person, evening type or a morning type, and, and trying to structure your schedule around that is amazing. If you have the luxury of doing it, oftentimes people don't because they have to get up, go to work and and things like that. Um, But it really does take most people greatly underestimate the amount of sleep that they need. Most people think that they need less sleep. And it's tricky because your level of energy and performance becomes your status quo. So you might be not getting enough sleep, but you think it's normal. You think that you know maybe being a little bit tired, a little bit foggy, that becomes your new norm. Whereas if you just got a little bit more sleep and a little bit better sleep, you'd really notice a big difference in your cognitive ability. You notice a big difference in your energy, your ability to recover. Um, so in regards to sleeping with a bed partner, this can become a challenge. And one of the things that you mentioned is so important to talk about here is is temperature because some people sleep hot and some people like it cooler. Now the ideal temperature in a bedroom is between 65 and 68 degrees Fahrenheit, which is fairly cold. And so there are some amazing now devices and mattresses and beds and things that can help regulate body temperature for, for couples. So for instance, if someone sleeps hot and someone likes it a little bit cooler, you can get something like the chili pad, which is a great, uh, the bed jet. Um, you can get these temperature regulating mattresses, like an Essentia mattress, uh, that, that doesn't allow the, the heat of your body to get stored in the mattress. You can, you know, sleep with separate blankets. This is, you know, they do this in Europe. They, you know, in, in, in the States here, most people, you know, a couple sleeps under the same blanket, but in Europe, a lot of times there's two different blankets. So if you are someone that likes it a little bit warmer, a little bit colder. You can add another blanket on. So there's a lot of strategies around how you can kind of optimize your environment. It's important to understand that everybody is different and you got to honor that. If it is a big deal, there are amazing tools. So you just, you got to experiment with it and, and see what works for you.
0: I'm glad you brought up environmental optimization because while everyone is different with certain things like temperature, like we just discussed, there are some commonalities amongst all people. And one of the big ones that comes to mind for me is blue light. So we know that avoiding blue light later in the day tends to be beneficial for everyone since blue light inhibits melatonin production. And there's actually light bulbs that people can purchase now and they can replace the uh, lights in their bedroom or the bathroom or whatever, wherever they spend their time at night and do a blue light blocking light bulb, which is kind of the next level from just wearing a blue light pair of glasses. uh, And then obviously avoiding screens late at night and all that sort of thing. Um, Are you into blue light glasses and the blue light side of things? Is that something that you find a lot of benefit from with your clients? Or is it something that you kind of look at and say, it's trendy now, but there's other things we can do that kind of come first?
1: Yeah, I I think there are a lot of other things you can do that come first, but I think it isn't really important because the thing, the things that regulate our sleep cycles are light and temperature. So, you know, the circadian lighting, I think is fantastic. That's lighting of the future. And even going back to candescent lighting, you know, without the fluorescent blue light. But I think really what's more important is it's not so much the blue light, but the hyper stimulation that comes along with the devices that the blue light comes from. So in our home, uh, just a quick little hack and thing that works for us is we shut off half the lights as the sun starts to set and we have red light. So we have infrared red light that we turn on that kind of creates, as well as a, we have a Himalayan salt lamp and it kind of just creates this warm sort of cave-like if you were in a, in a cave, you know, with a fire, that's kind of what, you know, you would come over to my house and you'd walk in, it's just this nice lighting. And it just, it really does start to trigger this um, sleepiness, the sleep pressure kind of starts to rise. You start to, you know, where most people have all their lights on all the way up until the time that they get into bed, it's, it's stimulating. So, you know, little hack environmental hacks like that can make a huge difference. Um, but there, there are many things before that, that I think people just, people always just want to jump to, you know, getting a mattress or getting some light bulbs and they miss really addressing like what they're doing throughout the day as far as stress mitigation, that really dictates how easy or well they sleep at night.
0: When it comes to stress mitigation for optimizing sleep, do you typically go with breathing patterns or do you go with avoiding stressors like uh, certain foods? And uh, you mentioned the phone, social media, that sort of thing. How do you go about um, optimizing stress management for sleep?
1: Yeah, it's it's really systematic. So when we work with clients in our program at Sleep Science Academy, there's it's a three-phase approach. So we go first: what are the stressors in the mind? What are the stressors in the body? And then what are the stresses in the environment? So oftentimes for people that have insomnia, it's first it's really understanding well what are your self-chosen stressors? Where is mental emotional stress coming in? As far as thoughts, beliefs, things that you're you know you're just Um, obsessing over. And then we look at, okay, physically, what are the stressors from nutrition to exercise to, you know, a whole slew of other elements that can affect the physical body. And then we get to the environment. So it's, it's so easy, I think to overlook um, little things that we do throughout our day and just miss the boat. Everything you do throughout the day dictates whether or not you're going to be able to fall asleep. So if you start your day in a chaotic stress way, that stress is going to carry all the way up into the night. Most people take their days into their nights. So there needs to be a buffer from your day and your night. There needs to be space throughout your day. Uh, And you need to really start to become aware of like how you feel throughout the day. And if you're feeling stress, I like to give the analogy. It's kind of like a pressure cooker, like your body and mind start to have this certain tension and pressure build up. And if you're not letting that pressure valve off throughout the day, It's just so much pressure to try to relieve at the end of the day. And then, and that ends up, you know, creating a racing mind, which is like the most common question I get asked. How do you turn your mind off? I can't keep my mind just keeps me up and you don't, your mind's active, even when you sleep, but if you create some space throughout your day, if you, you know, start implementing some mindfulness and meditation, which is something that I I've seen has helped tremendously for the clients that we work with. It really does go a long way. Little things, little hinges swing big doors. And that's very true for sleep.
0: I love that analogy you mentioned about the pressure cooker. That's great advice. One of the things you mentioned earlier, too, was that when you don't get a good night's sleep, you feel brain fog, you feel fatigue, you don't focus as clearly. Are there any any other uh, signs that people should be watching out for to kind of indicate to them when their sleep is good versus not good?
1: Yeah. I mean, well, well, you can't really manage what you don't measure. So I'm a big believer in tracking and now there's some incredible devices that kind of can help you take the guesswork out of it. We use the aura ring. They just launched their gen three ring, which is amazing. It it measures heart rate, heart rate variability throughout the day, as well as throughout the night, body temperature. Um, You could, I mean, you could guess, but I don't think you should guess. I think you should test, you know? So rather than, than trying to guess, I think there is a natural wisdom and intelligence in the body that it's important to get tuned into, but I'm, I'm a big believer in better living through science. And there are some amazing tools that can help sort of give you tangible information and data for then you to to see, Hey, I did this. And then it affected me this way. Uh, But usually, you know, fatigue is a big one. If you're waking up and you're brain foggy and you're fatigued, that's probably a sign that you didn't get enough sleep or enough quality sleep. Yeah. And if you're, if you're waking up or, really if you're waking up in pain you know that's a lot of times people wake up and they're they're inflamed and they're in pain it's like that's a sign that your body didn't really get into the deeper stages of sleep and flush out what it needed to flush out and you know, lactic acid and all the you know things that build up to to be able to feel refreshed um so yeah but i think it's really important you know just get, you know tracking is so important so you know don't take don't guess, just get, get some a good tracker, get somebody that can help you make sense of the, the data and, and then start to make some of these changes and see how, how much of a difference it actually can make.
0: Exactly. I love that you brought up the heart rate variability. Uh, I think you mentioned Aura Ring. Aura is actually the lowest EMF as well, which... Uh, We can talk about electromagnetic fields and EMFs and how they impact sleep quality and overall health at a different point. That's a whole nother rabbit hole. Um, But Aura is a great product and great tool. You could also use something like a handheld dynamometer. I think it was Joe DeFranco shared this on his podcast, how he'll have athletes uh, have a handheld dynamometer and every morning they wake up, they squeeze it as hard as they can. And they get a, uh, objective measure of grip strength. So oh. if they recover really well and sleep really good, their grip strength tends to be better that morning. And if they didn't recover well, then their grip strength tends to be lower. And they actually tie that in his, uh, training business, they tie how they do on their grip strength test in the morning to what they do in the gym. So if their baseline is hundred pounds of force and they wake up and only push 80 pounds, then they scale everything in the gym back 20% that day because they know that there's a correlation between your sleep quality and how how difficult you perceive a task to be. So you can scale things back and still uh, your body will perceive it as the same difficulty. And the other tool I've used in the past, just from a physical therapy side of things, is the fatigue assessment scale. And this is something, if you're listening, you can Google it and you can probably find a PDF of it pretty easily. It's just a 10 item questionnaire where you rate uh, 10 different questions, one to five, based on how fatigued you feel. And that uh, one you know 10 item scale correlates to a whole lot of different outcomes. And it's something you can do daily. You can literally just print it out, circle the things, do it on your laptop, your phone, however you feel and then just plug that into an Excel document, if you're tech savvy, uh, just something to keep track of all these things. And you don't have to be tech savvy to figure it out. They make all kinds of different apps and different things to track all this. And you might even have something built into your Sleep Science Academy to help track this too, Devin.
1: Yeah, we use a lot of assessments. We're a big believer, in, you know, people like it's like if you have high cholesterol, you go to the doctor and he says, okay, well, here's your cholesterol. Here's what we can do. You can change your diet, you know, and exercise, or we can use medication or a combination of all three. And then you test again. And so I, I love those, those other strategies that you shared though. I, I haven't heard about the, uh, the handheld diameter. That's very interesting, um, to assess sort of strength, grip strength. That's yeah. It's, it's interesting. I, I find something that's personally, you know, when you wake up in, if you're, if your circadian clock is a little bit dysregulated and you wake up in a wrong stage of sleep, meaning like you're using an alarm clock and it's pulling you out of like deep sleep, it totally makes a difference as far as your mental clarity, as well as your, your ability, your strength. Um, so staging of sleep is, is important. And I, I, it's, it's challenging for people because sometimes people don't, because of the nature of their lifestyles, they don't have the luxury of, you know, not waking up without an alarm right they have to get up they're waking up but now there are great way there's great tools that are helping people like natural light alarm clocks that can kind of help guide the body out of different stages of sleep versus sort of this eh, 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 that then people get pulled out they're they're stressed and usually they they're getting pulled out of you know a bad stage of sleep and then they're the rest of the day is just thrown off so it's interesting i've experimented that Personally, and it, it for sure makes a difference that w- what stage of sleep you wake up in is um, can totally dictate your, 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 your strength and focus for the day.
0: How do you feel about someone who wakes up and immediately, you know, starts their day with that morning cup of coffee? So they go from rested state zero to full intake of caffeine, 100, zero to hundred real quick. How do you feel about how people start their morning?
1: I don't feel very good about that, Daniel. I think that's the worst (laughs) thing you could do because I mean, your, your cortisol is highest in the morning and now you're dumping something in that's going to create more cortisol. So you're going to stay sympathetic throughout the entire day versus if you wait, you know, nothing's wrong. Coffee's an incredible antioxidant. I'm a huge fan of coffee. I love it. I drink it. Um, not every day, but I just like the taste of it. And it has a lot of antioxidants in it, especially when you're getting clean coffee, but not first thing in the morning. (laughs) you know, we lose about a liter of water just through respiration and sweat throughout the night. So you want to make sure that you start the day with, you know, some clean, fresh water. And then, you know, the best time really to have caffeine is, is an hour or two after you wake up, let that cortisol start to come down before you dump some caffeine into your system. And caffeine is one of those things. If you use too much of it, it blocks adenosine, which builds up in our bodies that create that sleepiness sleep pressure, it's called in sleep science. And so you want to be careful that you don't use overuse caffeine and it has a long half-life, you know, it's, it's in our system five to six hours, uh, half-life. So that's in your body, you know, 10 to 12 hours. So you got to be mindful of, you know, timing of caffeine as well, because it definitely can affect sleep quality.
0: And I like how you brought up the importance of the hydration piece as well, so when we get up, being able to just have like, you know, 12, 16 ounces of cold water before we get going and start our day can make a huge impact on the rest of our day. And you can even play around with that. You don't have to do just straight filtered water, or mineral water or whatever you drink. You could add a little bit of sea salt or a little bit of lemon juice, freshly squeezed, ideally, or something like that to it, because that's going to give you a whole lot of other micronutrients to help you throughout your day. Uh, Sea salt itself, I know, contains, I think, 50 or 60 different trace minerals that the body Mm -hmm. needs. Uh, So being able to start your day with all these beneficial micronutrients instead of, you know. A powerful antioxidant, but also a sympathetic overdrive, like we discussed, can really make a huge difference for people. And like you mentioned before, this is the kind of thing you can track, right? You can take note of your mornings that you wake up and you start your day with coffee. And then you can take note of your mornings that you get up and drink water first. Just see what happens. See if you notice any difference across all the different markers that you're tracking over time. That's uh, right.
1: I love it. Yeah, I'll, I'll share. Uh, personally, what I do is I start the morning actually with seawater. There's a company, they, it's called Quinton, and they make an amazing bioavailable seawater that it's it's just like a tablespoon that you take. And and then I use a, a custom probiotic that uh, there's a company called Viome. They, you can get a stool test and they pretty much, they analyze your stool and they give you a custom pr- probiotic. So what I have been doing is waking up, I have a glass of water with the custom probe, you know, the probiotics in it, and then um, actually seawater first and then the probiotic after. I mean, that's I mean, that's that's maybe a little bit extreme for some people, but you can just, you know, everyone's wherever you are on the spectrum of how how optimized you want to be, you could start just with water and then you could start to upgrade your water. Like I think those suggestions that you said, Daniel, are fantastic with sea salt and, and lemon. And then you could you know, take it to the next level and, and start drinking seawater and probiotics. <laughs>
0: so Right. I like it. And the other, you mentioned this earlier, you mentioned that you use red light in your house. And that's the other key element when we wake up, right, is light. I like to tell people, use the analogy that you water a plant, but it's not going to grow unless it has light. So you're not going to synchronize your circadian rhythm or wake up unless you expose yourself to natural light. Um, So personally, I have a big red light panel right next to my bed. And when I wake up in the morning, I just turn that thing on and start getting exposed to bright uh, lights of different wavelengths to really tune my body and signal that it's time to wake up. It's time for the day to begin. And you mentioned before that you do something similar, I think, with your red light setup as well.
1: Yeah. So, so actually, so in the morning, you, you actually want to get blue light in the morning,
0: believe it or not. So, so
1: the sun, the way, you know, the sun has all different types of wave, obviously the sun is the best light. So you want to, you know, if you have the availability and, you know, you're waking up when the sun comes up, that's getting sunlight on your skin would be ideal. Um, I, I like blue light in the morning and actually red light because blue light's going to wake you up. Red light mm-hmm. going to kind of calm you down. Um, and there's so many different factors and and different types of lights and wavelengths and for different reasons, but I like the red light for me at, in the evening really seems to, to give me a a calm sort of relaxed effect. And, um, and then just for me personally, I just like getting outside and, and taking a walk. I try to, if you can get outside, this is like the most simplest sleep hack ever get outside. For more like as 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 much as you can get outside. Like literally, it's the simplest thing ever. Um, I have a goal. I, I try to spend five hours a day outside. I don't, a lot of times I don't meet my goal, but it's, you know, you we're so like we if you think about it, Daniel, we spend, I think it's 95% of our lives indoors. So you're breathing, you know, air conditioned, you're getting all these. It's just we're, we're disconnected from the biorhythms of the earth. And there is, you know, this isn't, sounds kind of hippie, but there is, you know, there is a frequency of the earth and, and that frequency is healing. It, it's shown to reduce inflammation. And so just getting outside more is one of the simplest sleep hacks. Like watching the sunset, watching the sunrise, that makes such a big difference with sinking your super asthmatic nucleus, the master clock in the brain which then kind of the body follows suit. So it you don't have to go like and spend thousands of dollars on these red light panels unless you want to like me and Daniel and you want to play with it and you know have fun with it or you could just go outside and just get some blue light from the sun and and you know red light from the sun when it's setting and and kind of let your body do its thing.
0: You mentioned the electro frequency there. So when you're outside, do you usually try to ground or earth yourself? Is Uh, grounding or earthing something you try to build in throughout your day, like with a special mat or anything like that? Or is that something that's too pseudoscience at this point?
1: (laughs) You know what? I, I, I do. Um, And, and, you know, depending on who you ask, they're going to say, Oh, it's that's pseudoscience or I I'm a believer in it. It just feels good to have your feet on the grass or in the sand and just be out of shoes. So I do what feels good and it feels good for me. So I, I do it as much as I can. Um, I also another kind of personal biohack I can share is I stand on a acupressure mat uh, mm-hmm. and I also stand at a standing desk. So, you know, posture makes a big difference, um, throughout the day, as well as, you know, having a really good supportive mattress that supports healthy posture is, is important. Um, just really, I mean, you want to make sure that if, if your body's out of pain, you're going to sleep better. And I've I've heard people also that I, I I don't do this, but a lot of people lay on these acupressure mats. They're just these like little spiky mats. And it mm-hmm. just I've heard, heard people have told me that wow, it just makes it a world of difference for for sleep and calming down. So I mean that's where it gets fun. You can you can just try to experiment with some of these things. You don't have to go overboard with it. I think there's a term called orthorexia, uh, orthosomnia, where people are are obsessed with like the quest for the perfect night of sleep. So you don't want to overdo it because really you're most of the population in the world, they do all the wrong things and they still sleep. So, you know, but if you want to optimize the one third of your life that you spend in bed to make the other two thirds incredible, then you can start to play with some of these, you know, things that me and Daniel are talking about.
0: Right. And the acupressure, Matt, is that it might come first before the uh, red light panel. It's uh, just a little bit more affordable for people. I think you can get them for like 30, $35 on Amazon. So Yeah. if you're looking at this and you're like, wow, this is all super cool. I want to, you know, start playing around with it. Just kind of, you know, keep budget in mind, especially if you're younger or anything like that, because while all these things can help, it's all about finding the perfect combination of tools that work for you and you might not need to spend thousands of dollars to find that. So start small and work up to it. I love that.
1: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big believer. And, and I'm sure probably for you, Daniel, I mean, maybe not. But for me, I've definitely, over the years, slowly started to put tweaks into my routines and upgrades. Uh, it wasn't all, you know, all at once. You don't throw the kitchen sink at something. You just you know, depending on your, your lifestyle, your budget, your interest, you just try certain things and and then, you know, you see all those things affect you and then you, you kind of creep into this. I mean, I definitely, now I have a, you know, I have a cold plunge in my living room, <laughs> it's a little, <laughs> little extreme, um, but yeah. So like, you know, again, I, I, I love optimization. This is, this is part of what I do, um, you know, teaching people and self-experimentation is, is part of it, but you don't have to go that far. Uh, unless you want to, you know, that's everyone, you know, it's, I
0: think it's cool to take things to the
1: edge and, and really experiment what we're capable
0: of. Exactly. You've mentioned a couple of times now, you've got the sleep science Academy, you've got the book, the sleep advantage, where can people uh, find you and find the different things that you're doing?
1: Yeah. So anyone that has issues with their sleep, sleep science Academy, uh, you know, you can, there's a sleep quiz on there. There's a webinar you can watch if you have insomnia. Yeah. Um, We also offer free consults and on social Burke wellness or sleep science Academy as well. So, um, that's, that's where you can find me. If you're, you know, YouTube, I put out some pretty good content videos and things from people that have sleep issues, but, um, love to, you know, support anyone that was listening to this podcast in any way possible to help them.
0: Awesome. Anything else you want to share with our listeners, our audience about sleep, about what you do, anything?
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, just, I hope that from listening to this, people realize how important it is and, and realize that it is the foundation of health and it really, it comes first before you know, most people don't like when I say this, but even before nutrition and exercise, like if you're not, you could be eating all the right foods, you can be moving your body in all the right ways, but if you're not sleeping, your body's not going to recover. You're going to crave sugar and fat like crazy. Your hormones are going to be off. So really sleep is the foundation of health. And if you're not really protecting and prioritizing it, then you're doing yourself a, a big disservice.
0: I love that. Start from the bottom and work your way up. If you're missing those basic pillars of health and wellness, then all the fancy little tricks and hacks aren't really going to do anything for you. So start from the bottom and work your way up. Devin, That's thank it. you so much for your time. Really appreciate uh, having you on the show. It was a great episode.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed the conversation and thanks for the work that you're doing and all the knowledge that you're bringing to, uh, to your audience. It's, it's good stuff.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brown body health and fitness podcast. If you liked this episode, please make sure to share it with a friend subscribe. So you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes and leave a review. This way we can spread knowledge and motivation and help reach more people. Thank you again for listening and I'll see you next time.